You are listening to Packers Now. Get the latest updates on the Greeting Gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and today I want to talk about today or yesterday's uh, big win against the Houston Texans. There were a lot of concerns I had about the Packers going into this game, and a lot of those concerns were addressed with some really good play by the Packers overall. First of all, I want to talk about this coaching. Offensively, the Packers were without David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, and still without wide receiver Alan Nazard and running back receiver specialist Tyler Irvin. This team's ability to be complex and explosive should have been inhibited without these guys on the field. But Lafleur was able to create an offense in today's game that showed that allowed the Packers to still still score 35 points in this game. The thing that Lafleur did to protect Rodgers more than anything else was change the entire passing attack and how that looked uh, from the entire how the season has gone so far in all of 2019. And what he did is he kept Rodgers from getting hit and being under duress as he had an average depth of target of only 6.1 yards and an average time to pass of only 2.43 seconds. And Rodgers hasn't had lower numbers in those categories in a game since 2017. LaFleur got the ball out of Rodgers' hands so fast, so quickly, so effectively, this game plan didn't allow the Texans to pressure Rodgers like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to do a week ago. And when Rodgers can set his feet, be comfortable, make his first throw, make his first read, he can make some pretty great throws very quickly, very accurately. And not only that, uh, and so that was that was just so impressive to me that LaFleur was able to change his entire game plan depending on his personnel. And Rodgers and company looked amazing on offense. And a lot of credit goes to the players. But a lot of credit, I think, has to go to the coaches. We don't talk about the coaches enough. We don't talk about LaFleur enough. We, uh, we yell at him when he has a bad game against like Tampa Bay. But we don't give him credit on a game like he had against Houston and he needs to get some credit here and a lot of it goes to him and not only should some credit go to this uh, offensive coaching staff but definitely the defensive coaching staff as well because this defense looked very good on Sunday the Packers had some really good third down stops throughout the game we halted the Texans offense even in the red zone at times and kept Watson pressured throughout the game and that's exactly what this defense needs to do and it doesn't have the defense doesn't have to be amazing at all for the Packers to win a Super Bowl. But they have to be good and they have to make plays and they have to be able to make stops and they have to pressure opposing QBs. And that's exactly what they did on Sunday. And Petten has to get some credit after he was starting to get some, they were starting to get some words, starting to get some voices throughout media, throughout the NFL saying, is he, should he be the guy? Should the Packers move on from him? And he had a great game. And it was against a, a not a great Texans team. But their Texans, the Texans' offense is pretty good still. Uh, it's the Texans' defense that is uh, more of a letdown for this season for the Texans. But their offense has been amazing. Deshaun Watson has still been really good. They still have lots of receiving threats. And their offensive line is still pretty darn good. And so uh, their, our defense showing up the way it did yesterday against the Texans, uh, a lot of credit has to go to Coach Patton. So many outside of the Packers organization uh, may think – the Packers would be doomed yesterday without all these players, and especially running back Aaron Jones. But that wasn't the case on Sunday at all, and that's because the Packers had and believe in Jamal Williams. Uh, Williams, running back, the dancing man, uh, is no spectacular player by any means, 
but he does everything at an above average level. And that's exactly what he did on Sunday. He, he runs the ball fairly well. He's a threat of the backfield as a pass catcher and he pass blocks very well, fairly well. And that's exactly what he's able to do week in and week out. He just never has the snaps that he usually does like he did on Sunday because Aaron Jones is always, he's always splitting snaps with Aaron Jones. Because Aaron Jones is a very explosive, really good running back, and Williams is kind of in the in the shadow of him. They both were drafted the same year, and Williams has always been the backup to Aaron Jones. And Williams is just this all-around running back who can do it all when given the opportunity. And I know Williams is not as as explosive as Aaron Jones, not by a long shot, but it was amazing to see him be able to come in and be the starting running back if that were the case, if we needed him to be the starting running back. And this is important for the Packers' future as well. For the rest of the season, just to continue to see Jamal Williams play as well as he did, that gives the Packers more confidence going into the rest of the season, playing those two running back looks. There's a reason Jamal Williams has been playing as much as he has been all year is because he can do what he did on Sunday consistently, even if he's the number one guy. Um, And that's awesome. Amazing to see. And this is amazing for the Packers' future as well, very long-term, because going into this offseason, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones are both up for contract. And Aaron Jones is going to be set for a big payday. Um, you know, somewhere in the three-year, 27 to $33 million range. Uh, and Jamal Williams, on the other hand, is a good running back, but he's not going to make anything close to that. He can make as little as something like uh, anywhere from six to ten million dollars on a ten on a three-year deal, which is about twenty million dollars less than Aaron Jones. And if that's the case, and the Packers are looking tight on the salary cap, that might be a decision they have to make to move on from Aaron Jones and sign Jamal Williams. Not because Jamal Williams is better, but just because of that difference in money and the amount of production you're going to get from Jamal Williams versus Aaron Jones is just what is going to have to happen. When you have lots of other big paydays coming up, uh, you already paid Kenny Clark. You have Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith contracts uh, starting to skyrocket in the next couple of years. David Bakhtiari has to get signed. He's the best left tackle in the NFL. Jair Alexander is the best corner in the NFL. He has to get re-signed in two years. And so uh, the Packers have to um, see this coming, and they have to know if Williams is capable to be the starting running back for the Packers if need be. And we saw on Sunday he is. And so that's important for the Packers future as well. And so, and what I do want to talk about as well is how amazing is this Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams connection. The Packers converted seven of 12 on third down on Sunday, which is pretty good on offense. Uh, but all of those Packers third down conversions were because Rodgers threw the ball, threw the ball to Devontae Adams as they were, all of the conversions were Devontae Adams catches for a first down. Adams got 13 passes for 196 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday, just showing that he can be one of the best receivers in the in the NFL, especially when healthy. But what this did show me in the Packers is that this group of playmakers needs another receiver. The next top receiver for the Packers was Jamal Williams, who only had four catches and 37 yards, and then Robert Tanyan, two catches and 32 yards. The Packers need some consistency at the other wide receiver position. And that's why I want to end the podcast today later on. But this is important. This is a concern for me. As good as Devontae Adams is, he cannot do this every week. He cannot do this every week. They need someone else to take 
some pressure off of Devontae Adams because we're going to run into teams who can actually match up against Devontae Adams. I know Devontae Adams is really good, and he's going to still be able to get catches even against some of the, some of the top corners in the NFL. But <clears throat> when we play a team like the 49ers, who have Richard Sherman, like uh, even a team similar to having a corner like Jair Alexander, who we play, uh, who can match up against Devontae Adams and hold him at times, uh, our offense is going to stumble. We can't attack Devonte Adams consistently on third down or we're going to struggle S- seriously struggle against some of these better teams who know what to do who double cover Adams the Packers have to be ready for that and they have to have another weapon for Aaron Rodgers and we're going to finish the podcast with that later and I want to just run through some of these other positions that just some of these other th- concerns I had for the Packers and then uh, jump back into this idea of what the Packers should do going into the trade deadline. And and so next I want to look at our defense, which should surprise me, just how well they played. First of all, the guys in the middle of our defense were just awesome, straight up awesome. You had undrafted free agents, uh, Chris Barnes, who started at inside linebacker, but he only played the first half before he left with an injury, and I'm hopeful he can recover from that. He was playing very well the last three, four games. He's all over the field. And then the guy who came in for him, uh, who I was very excited about, who I talked about in the last podcast is Kamal Martin played literally amazing in his first NFL action. He came in running our defense. He had a 77.3 overall grade uh, in the second half and was great in stopping the run. And he was solid in coverage. These two guys, Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, both rookies are the future of the linebacker position for the Packers. And it feels so good to say that we have not had linebackers who are consistent, who are good for a very long time time and that is just that's an amazing feeling (laughs) uh the Packers have struggled at the linebacker position for so long and to see two rookies come in and play this well throughout the season or to start the season uh not knowing they're going to be the starters until now is just awesome to see how good they're playing and I can't imagine how good they can be with a real offseason with a full offseason and I think Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin are going to be this one-two punch at linebacker giving the Packers even an ability to play two inside linebackers and confidence in their ability to play in coverage as well. Cause we've seen the athleticism from Chris Barnes. He can play in coverage. Kamal Martin uh, played very or pretty darn good in coverage as well on, uh, on Sunday against the Texans. And I'm just, I'm very, very excited for the future. And then if you count Raven green in that mix too, green uh, played the dime linebacker position, which he was supposed to start at last year. Then it was out for the season. This year is still recovering from injury, coming back, finally getting into the mix on Sunday because of the many injuries the Packers had. And he played very well too. He he also left with an injury, but before that injury, he had eight tackles and has just been amazing as a run stopper, run stopper and has been okay in coverage. And the thing with Raven Green is he comes in in that dime group. He comes in to play next to whoever's starting an inside linebacker. On Sunday, it was either Chris Barnes or it was Kamal Martin, and then he's the guy who plays next to him. Um, as if it's as if we're still playing a classic three-four, except uh, at the other inside linebacker is a safety, and that's where Raven Green comes in, and he's been amazing at stopping the run. He's been lights out, great run stopper because teams see that they see that uh, defense for the Packers, and they see oh that's a small defense we should run against that defense, 
And what's great about that is that the Packers are able to play small, but Raven Green is a guy who's come in and who's still been able to dominate in the run game, which is a, is perfect because that means you have the personnel to stop opposing teams because they're if they try to pass it, most teams are going to see that defense. They're going to try to run the ball, and Raven Green has proved himself time and time again to be able to stop the run almost as good as a normal linebacker, giving the Packers the uh, the small defense that Petten wants to run and allows them to be ready to stop the pass because stopping the pass is the most important thing you have to do. And then stop the run comes next. Obviously, there's only two things, but that's what comes next. And Raven Green is able to be the safety he needs to be to stop running backs, cover up against maybe tight ends um, in coverage, but also um, be ready to stop the run. And so, and I love that about him. And so these three guys really impressed me. If they can get healthy, if Raymond Green, Chris Barnes, they didn't seem like major injuries to me. If they can get healthy over the next week, week or two, I'm excited to see where these three guys can lead our defense the rest of the season. And our secondary played really well too yesterday with guys like Will Redmond had to step up and start in place of injured Darnell Savage, and he played really well. And then Adrian Amos finally played a good game at the other safety position. And most importantly, guys, Jair Alexander continued to be the best corner in the NFL. He had another lights out performance. He shadowed when he shadowed Will Fuller. He did most of the game. And when he covered Fuller, he didn't give up a catch the whole game. And Jair didn't give up a catch in coverage the entire game. And he's dominating the NFL and shutting down one side of the field. And we've seen what that kind of defense does and how that makes the rest of your defense so much better. And Jair Alexander is lifting our defense up so much better than it has been playing so far this season. And now we saw the rest of the team come around him to play an amazing performance as well. You saw guys like... um, You've seen this with other teams. You've seen the Richard Sherman defenses of the world where he can shut down one entire side of the field and how good the rest of that defense becomes when you when you have one-third of the field taken up. And that's what Jair is starting to do. And you've seen the best defenses in the NFL, guys, are ones that have had a true number one top-five corner in the NFL. As you look at the Patriots uh, with their defenses, with in the past with Darrell Revis and with new guys like um, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he was defensive player of the year last year. Um, I can picture him in, in my head, uh, Stephon Gilmore. And then Richard Sherman's of the world in Seattle, in San Francisco. These are teams that have had those number one corners who are playing lights out, who can shut down any receiver they're matched up against. And what that does to our defense is it lifts it and takes it to a whole nother level. And you saw that on Sunday against the Texans and the Texans, their defense is bad. Yes. I'll give them that. And our offensive line stepped up in big ways to go against that defense, which is a pretty bad defense. Um, and so what we gain offensively from this game, maybe not a ton, but we, we gain defensively is a big deal because this Texans offense is good. They have so many weapons at receiver. They're Deshaun Watson is top five quarterback in the NFL. In the NFL, he's super fast, um, super athletic, and then their offensive line is good. I like. I was trying before looking at this game, before previewing this game, I was looking at this offense, offensive line, and I was like, "There's got to be a hole here, right?" And there isn't. They've all been playing good to elite, honestly. Laramie Tunsil's their left tackle playing an elite, really, really good elite level. And then the rest of their offensive line is playing good, just really good overall, solid offense. They've worked really hard the last couple of years to 
put that offensive line together, and they've been able to do that. They have the weapons at receiver, and our defense still was able to hold them to 20 points. And they had a couple huge stops. And that kind of coverage from Jair Alexander, plus a little boost from the rest of this back seven starting to play better with guys like Adrian Amos playing as good as he maybe can at times. And then those three guys in the middle of our defense, Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, Raven Green playing really well. And then just playing average football at those other positions, at the opposite corner position, at the slot corner position. And uh, our defense was finally able to generate pressure and it was so fun to watch yesterday. The Packers pressured Watson 13 times on Sunday, and it felt like the Packers' defense from a season ago. Zedarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary were all getting in on the action, and they all stepped up in some big ways. Even guys like Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki were in there as well. We had blitz packages, and it was awesome to see Deshaun Watson running around. And it was frustrating at times because Deshaun Watson Watson is so freaking athletic. He got away. He escaped the pressure. And we should have had like seven sacks in this game. And maybe a couple of more uh, throws that were uh, interrupted because, but our guys just couldn't get to Deshaun Watson because he's so athletic. And you're not going to see that all the time. You're not going to see a quarterback you go up against like Deshaun Watson, who's that athletic, who can get away from pressure that well, unless you're playing the Ravens in the Super Bowl or you're playing, maybe you can put Patrick Mahomes in that. Uh, not he's he's not as athletic as Deshaun Watson though. Um, he's a way better thrower, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of quarterbacks who are that athletic who can escape pressure that well, like Deshaun Watson can with his legs, what he can do with his legs. And uh, it was amazing to watch on Sunday. It was frustrating because we didn't we didn't close, we didn't get those sacks, but we affected the passer, and that's a big deal. That's going to make that makes errant throws that causes interceptions. And we are going to close. We are going to finish. If Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary can get fully healthy, they all have these nagging injuries right now. If they can get healthy over the next week, this next week we have a game against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota can play with anybody at times, but they're trading away their players right now. It looks like they're in a full rebuild. And if that's the case, we might need to let some of these guys rest. Let some of these guys get healthy because if we can get these guys fully healthy, this pass rush is going to be able to dominate throughout the season. <clears throat> the Packers only had three sacks. Don't let that fool you because these pressures are going to turn into sacks in the coming weeks if they keep playing like this, if they if they aren't facing QBs as athletic as Deshaun Watson. And that's exciting to think about. That's really exciting to think about. <clears throat> and so uh, after a week that threw the world out of motion, after the loss to Tampa Bay, the world seems to have found its access again as the Packers really just stepped up in some big ways this week as they protected Rodgers. They got creative on offense. They got after the opposing QB. They stopped the run, and they played great de- pass defense. Even J.K. Scott had a great game, and this is huge for the Packers and puts them right back where they should be. There are a couple things that do concern me, and I mentioned him earlier. I mentioned one of them earlier. The one thing, one of those things that does concern me the trade deadline is coming up quick, and the Packers need to start checking out the market for some trade to add another receiver, another option at receiver for the Packers. The Packers are have been creative. They've done some amazing things. They've made some guys who aren't that good look really good. And I think some of that's uh, the players are better than media thinks they are. 
and the rest of the NFL thinks they are. And I think a lot of it, though, is how creative, how good LaFleur is at getting his guys open, how good Rodgers is at making guys look really good. And there are a few options out there the Packers have to consider going to the trade deadline because we need another legit option next to Devontae Adams. So we need another guy to step up. Uh, I love, um, and so there's a few guys I'm going to mention. I mentioned two of these guys in my last podcast, so I'm not going to get in super in depth uh, about those two, but I'm going to get into depth about the last one. And so there are three, three legit options that make the most sense to me. There's teams which are at the bottom of their divisions. They're in, they're in rebuild mode and they're in terrible cap situations for next year. Their cap situations tell us they need to cut players. They can't re-sign players because they're already in the negatives for next year, which is a very, very bad place to be. That's poor management. And that's the teams that go on these spikes, and then they crash. That's why the teams like the Packers, teams like the Patriots, well, actually not the Patriots now. The Patriots are, had this happen to finally. Uh, the, but teams like the Packers, and another one that comes to my mind is the Steelers, who have been consistently good for a very long time, have never like look forward to the next year and see themselves in negatives already. They never do that. That's why teams like this Packers and Steelers can be so good for so long. The Patriots did it for a very long time as well, but they are actually in a situation this year and next year where they're in the negatives, even though they feel like they have nobody on their team because they spent so much money consistently for so long. And the first team, the first player I want to talk about, as I mentioned him on the last podcast, was wide receiver John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, John Ross isn't even barely playing right now for Cincinnati. He and he's demanding a trade, and he would add another true deep threat to this offense for almost nothing. This he's he's going to come up as a free agent. He's not going to resign with the Bengals after they have all these other receiving weapons because they're not using him, and he wants to be used. He knows he can be better. He's just been injured. And he's healthy, but they're still not even giving him opportunities to play. There's guys like Auden Tate, I think, is his name, who's playing in front of him right now. And they're four deep at, they're five deep at a receiver. The Bengals aren't in a, play, a place to push for a playoff spot, and uh, they need to continue to add draft capital and build this team from the ground up, from rookies and helping them develop. And John Ross just obviously isn't a part of that offense. He and he wants to be somewhere else. He's a former first-round pick. He he has set the NFL record in the 40-yard dash. He's one of the he's the fastest guy in the NFL technically when it comes to the 40-yard dash, and he can be that true deep threat. So think about MVS right now. MVS, I was just looking at the stats. He's like ranked as the 112th out of 120 eligible receivers in the NFL. He is not playing well. He he's not finding separation. He's he's dropping some passes, easy passes, and his cons- inconsistency is very frustrating. I love MVS. When he was, he is on, he is a very very good receiver. But when he is not, he's just he's just bad. And John Ross is very much like MVS, except I think John Ross is better than MVS. Uh, it's just John Ross has been injured. That's the only difference. I think John Ross hasn't looked as or has looked similar, has looked like he has a similar career to MVS. It's just that John Ross has been injured and that's what's held him back. MVS has just been inconsistent. And so the deal is if you if the Packers were to trade a sixth round pick, that's it. Maybe a sixth round pick to the Cincinnati for John Ross, you're adding 
a true deep threat. It's going to take him a couple weeks, but what he could do to this offense, what is exactly what MVS could do to this offense is just consistently. You've seen MVS at the start of the year where he had hundred plus yard games, you know, 50 yard catches, 40 yard catches, 30 yard catches, 70 yard catches. And he can run because he's so freaking fast. But imagine having MVS consistently play like that and faster. That's what John Ross is. That's what he could do to this offense. That's why you trade for him. And even if he doesn't work out, you trade a six-round pick, who cares? Name, Try to name our six-round pick from this year. Maybe you can if you really know the Packers. Vernon Scott, uh, safety T- TCU. He played. He actually had one good snap this this last week. But And there are six-round picks that work out. There totally are six-round picks that work out. Um, and, and I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. Aaron Jones. Uh, but... Uh, the thing is that is worth that risk. We know the potential John Ross has. He has not showed up yet in the NFL, but he is a guy the Packers can go after for such a cheap cost. Then the other two options I do want to mention are guys who are legit options. The first one, John Ross, he's a good option. Who's a low risk, high reward option. The other guys are guys who have proved themselves to be number two, or even number one receivers in the NFL. And these guys are phenomenal players on losing teams who are in full rebuild. They need draft capital, and they have terrible cap situations for next year. And the first one I'm going to mention, same guy we mentioned last week, or the last podcast, is Will Fuller. So Will, Will Fuller is a really good receiver, but the Texans are done for the season. They're just too bad. And the Texans, um, for 2021, already are seven million over in cap space. That means they've already spent seven million dollars. They have seven million dollars allocated above what they can even pay anybody. It's illegal for them to pay anybody that much money. They have to cut players and you can't go out and re-sign top veteran players because you're out of room. You don't have room to spend on these guys. Um and that's why the the Texans should just move on from them right now. The Texans aren't going to be able to re-sign Will Fuller, and right now they can get draft capital by trading him before the deadline. And the only thing Will Fuller does for this offense is gives them worst, uh, and it's not a huge deal because they don't have their first and second round picks, but the only thing he's doing for this offense is giving them uh, more or higher draft picks, or lower draft picks, because they're going to win games if Will Fuller is on this team. They can lose games if they trade Will Fuller away. They can get draft capital for him. They can... Uh, they won't save money because they already paid him, but um, he's up for contract at the end of the season. Will Fuller is similar to he's 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 a true deep threat. He's proved himself in the NFL. He literally changes the complexity of that offense and how good it literally is when he's on the field versus when it's not on the field because he takes a, a lot of attention away from opposing defenses. They have to have a safety over on him. Corners have to play off on him. He can win underneath because he's so fast and corners have to play so deep. If they press him, he wins deep. He would be an amazing addition to this offense. He would be, he works perfect as a number two receiver in the on an NFL team. That's why he was so good with DeAndre Hopkins is because they had to focus so much attention on DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller was amazing. When he is the guy though, and they face the opposing quarterbacks or number one guys, he's just not as good. Um, that's just the case. Um, and that makes sense because you're facing the number one corner. But as a number two guy, he's amazing. And we saw, except not counting this last week, he had 12 catches, 
something like 240 yards, two touchdowns the two weeks previous to this. He's a really good receiver, and he would be amazing for the Packers. And the Texans need draft capital. They need draft capital bad. They've traded all of it away with their terrible management and Bill O'Brien. That's why he got fired. And they need draft capital. Will Fuller could be the guy the Packers could add, which would be amazing. And the last guy for this position group I'm going to talk about is Adam Thielen. And this is weird. You know, this would probably almost never happen because this is a division opponent, the Minnesota Vikings. Thielen um, and the Thielen is the Vikings. You think of the Vikings, you think of Adam Thielen. That's what you think about. Maybe Delvin Cook. Um, you don't think of Kirk Cousins. You do, but negatively. Um, and you maybe think of like Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith. But this, uh, the Vikings are the same situation. They're a team that has lost a lot of games. Their whole, their playoff hopes are dead. Um, they've traded away. Daniil Hunter just got told he's out for the season. The same day they traded away Yannick Ngakwe, the guy who they traded for at the start of the season because they thought they're going to be a chance to make the playoffs, chance to win the NFC North. That's gone. That's out of the place. And that just shows that they're saying we give up on this season. This season is a loss. We are going to get ready for next year. And I don't know how far forward they have, they're looking. Maybe they're just looking forward to next year and they think they can compete next year. And if that's the case, they probably won't trade Adam Thielen. But maybe that plan is much longer because just the Minnesota Vikings, just like the Houston Texans are in a place where they're already in negative cap situation for next year. And I looked at their players that they have. They can't cut that many guys. They have a lot of owed money, a lot of guaranteed money. And this team is in a huge pickle. Uh, They are stuck. They've paid way too much money to Kirk Cousins and they keep owing him more money every single year. And now they just gave Delvin Cook a guaranteed contract as well. And the the Vikings are out of cap space. I don't know what their plan is. They're just going to keep getting younger and younger because they're going to have to get more and more draft picks and rely on those rookies. And that's a just that's a dangerous game. That is a dangerous game. And right now, next year, they have to cut a player. And the second, the only player they can cut is Adam Thielen. Or they could trade him now. And that would actually allow them to have a season next year because they would have enough money to have an NFL team. Uh, and the great part about Adam Thielen, he's, he's actually a cheap option. He has four years left on his deal. He's only owed about somewhere from 10 to $15 million each of those years, and he is literally an elite receiver. He has been a top-five receiver for many years. He's 30 years old, though. He's on, he's on that break of starting to go downhill, uh, but I think he can play at the amount of money he's being paid right now. He can play at that amount of money for the next four seasons, and... Uh, I, he can't stay put there. He must. He can't want to stay put there. He can't just want to stay there and be okay with maybe making the playoffs every year. Because right now, the uh, the place financially the Vikings are at is a mess, and he they are not going to win a Super Bowl in the next four years. I can almost guarantee that unless their draft picks are out of this world, perfect draft picks, because they just are so they're out of money. They're out of money. And the Packers may be able to, and not many teams trade within the division. I get that. But, the, but the Adam Thielen might be a guy who's up for contract or up for trade because the Vikings are in a terrible, terrible situation. And the Packers may be able to trade something like a second and a third round pick for Adam Thielen. And the Packers would literally have two true number one wide receivers for the next five years, four and a half years, the rest of the season, and then four more years with Devontae Adams 
Adam Thielen probably being that would easily be the best combination in the NFL. Though you know, if you look at PFF rankings, uh, Adam Thielen has played better than Devontae Adams has this season, and that's insane because we just watched Devontae Adams play against or just yesterday, and he played phenomenal. And but if you were to look at the the actual rankings, um, and you were to see uh, where Adam Thielen's at, where Devontae Adams at, is I'm and I'm going to look this up at this moment. I'm looking up right now because this is just in it's insane uh, how good uh, these guys have been. So I'm going to look at the Green Bay Packers and I'm going to look at the Minnesota Vikings because I just have to check this. Um, and okay, so Devonte Adams is second in the NFL right now at 90.5 after last week's game. So he's up there, but literally two spots behind him, I think, is is Adam Thielen with an 88, almost an 89 overall grade. Just a point difference. And these two guys on the same team, they both can work the entire field. They both can win deep, and they can win shallow. They can win intermediately. These guys are amazing. Adam Thielen, guys, if you imagine Adam Thielen with Aaron Rodgers, just think of Jordy Nelson. That is that is Adam Thielen. If you had Adam Thielen with Aaron Rodgers, you would think of Jordy Nelson. And yes, I get it. They're both white. I'd, that's not the comparison I'm making. It's just literally that's who Adam Thielen is. He's just on a team where he's never had a great quarterback. He's had Kirk Cousins. He's had Case Keenum. He's had Teddy Bridgewater. All these mediocre guys. Think about this guy with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying the Vikings are going to move on from him, but the Vikings are in a tough place financially and they have to do something and they could get a lot of draft capital for Adam Thielen, maybe even a first round pick from somebody. He is 30 years old though. Um, and so it seems more like a second and a fourth, a second and a third. And if we added one of these three guys or especially one of the last two, Will Fuller, Adam Thielen, the Packers would be set. You saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers added Antonio Brown. And you saw how good the Buccaneers played against the Packers. The Packers have to be able to match that in some way. And right now, they do not have the offense to do that. Um, We saw against the Buccaneers, they had a corner who can match up against Devontae Adams and and not shut him down, but hold him. And that stopped our offense entirely. That stopped our offense entirely. When When you play a team who has an opposing cornerback like Jamal Dean, like Jair Alexander, they're going to stop one of our receivers, our top guy, and that's Devontae Adams. We need another top guy. Will Fuller, Adam Thielen could be that top guy. And the Packers need to consider. They need to reach out. And they, Brian Gutekunst has to make something happen if the Packers really want to go after a Super Bowl. And John Ross is a cheap option. Just give you a chance if those other two options don't work out. But you go after those two first. And maybe even John Ross. And the last thing I'm going to say is uh, one one thing that Packers should also consider is adding another pass rusher, adding another guy to this defensive line to make it this defense as solid and consistent as you can. And that guy is J.J. Watt. You saw, if you watched the interview after the game, J.J. Watt was pissed. He is sick of this. He can't stand losing. The Texans have been playoff teams for a very, very long time. And he knows this year he's not going to be. And he sees the future of this team is just so destroyed. And he wants out. I think he really wants out. I think he's he's a really good guy. And he's never going to say something like that ever. Because he's just a good person. Um, but J.J. Watt wants, I think, really wants out. 
And that's an option you could go with. The Texans need picks. You could give a second and third for J.J. Watt, Will Fuller, maybe even a second and fifth. And Texans would get that pick they need early in the draft to start to rebuild this team. And they would get rid of the draft, the Caps casualty money that they are going to need to get rid of after the season anyways. And the Packers would get that extra pass rusher that they need. Yes, the Packers pass rush looked good on Sunday. But if one of those guys is injured, is out, it goes downhill very, very quickly. And if they and they haven't been consistent all year, and I want to be hopeful after seeing one game where they played really well, but I can't be naive either or ignorant. J.J. Watt could change the entire trajectory of our defense. You add Wolf Fuller and J.J. Watt, this team is the Super Bowl favorite. 100%. I 100% believe that. They have that other explosive weapon. They have that pass rushing option. They have, and not only does J.J. Watt add a pass rushing option, because he's been amazing at that so far this year, uh, he could work on the interior against the guards like Zedarius Smith does and would be amazing. You would have the in, entire complexity to our pass rush where we could have eight guys back and you could have Zedarius Smith, J.J. Watt, Kenny Clark. You could have seven guys back, J.J. Watt, Zedarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, or Preston Smith. And you wouldn't know what to do. You wouldn't know what to do. You couldn't stop that because you'd have seven guys in coverage, but you'd still have guys all over your face with J.J. Watt in your face. But not only that, but he can stop the run. Some teams have hurt the Packers so bad because we can't stop the run. And stopping the run is not a priority in today's NFL. It's not as efficient way to win football. But there are times when the Packers' run defense has looked very bad, and we know that. And Dean Lowry is a guy who's out there playing a lot of snaps, and he's not good. And J.J. Watt could come in and take those snaps from him, and we could improve our defense phenomenally and drastically with just one smooth move with a team that needs to rebuild. They need the draft picks. They need to get rid of money. J.J. Watt, Will Fuller could be that option. So I gave us four options to improve our team right before the trade deadline, and the Packers need to consider these. If you're a GM, yes, you have to think about the future, and you have to think about cap room and the future and the cap restrictions we might have next year but you also have to think about winning super bowls when you have the best qb ever possibly uh one of the top two <laughs> in aaron Rodgers, and he's only won one super bowl what can you do to help him win one super bowl the packers don't want to go to another nfc championship the packers want to win a super bowl what do they have to do to do that these are some moves to fix that to make that happen so that's all we have today, folks. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes. If you haven't, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review. Here we guys think about the podcast. Tell your friends about Packers Now. So they can get all the latest updates on the Green Gold because it's always Packers season at Packers Now. Thanks, guys.